Hi there, I'm Luke and welcome to the Homegrown Music Podcast, where me and my friend Josh review, react and listen to Australian albums, all types of Australian albums from new to old. We discuss whether or not that they are classic and where do they fit in the world of the Australian music scene. This week, we are looking at Since I Left You, the debut studio album by The Avalanches, an electronic album which was released in 2000. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Homegrown Music Podcast, a podcast where we talk about Australian albums, old, new, and in between. My name is Luke, and I'm here with Josh, my good good friend and muso at heart. Hello. How you going, mate? <laughs> not too bad. How are you? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Excited to be here with you this evening, having a bit of a chat about some Aussie tunes. Yes, Aussie tunes. It's This podcast is going to be a little different to um, one of our sister podcasts, which talks about movies. Um, we're going to be talking about a particular album every fortnight and diving into it and just having a good old chat. Having a bit of a chin so- wag. Yeah, one of those chin wags I've mm, heard so much about. Yes, <laughs> yum, yum, yum. I will learn over time to be more Australian than my co- my co-host and partner in this podcast. I'm not super Australian. Good luck. I am Australian, I'm just not super in the linger. So hopefully I learned some things along this. No walkers cover. <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I feel like all you need to do is swear and you'll be fairly Australian. Yeah. Yeah, it's usually, and it's got to kind of sound, uh, I don't know, uh, angry sometimes. If you just anyway, drop, well, drop an F-bomb between like every second word, that's incredibly Australian. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. So in this uh, episode, we're not going to be dropping F-bombs with this album. This album <laughs> we are listening, we listened to um, was Since I Left You by The Avalanches. It was released in 2000. Um, it is highly regarded in the Australian music community, mm. um, I think, by a lot of different outlets and musicians and all that sort of stuff. But f- my first question for you, Josh, is mm. what did you think of this album? And had you listened to this before we had started, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, this was this was a really incredible album. Um, I have listened to it before, but I've never... I don't think I've actually sat down from start to finish and gone from the first track to the last track. Um, before um, definitely there's a whole bunch of songs I've listened to on the album but definitely I think to enjoy it you do need to listen to it from start to finish because it's it's mm. it's not so much an album as it is like a it's not a collection of songs it's more of like a a journey from start to finish yeah I, I had the same sort of feel I found with this album it was really hard to get like the the first time I listened to it, obviously, was all in one go, and yeah. you, just, you get the whole experience. But when the next couple of times came around, I would say get to a song, say five or six, and then something would happen. I would have to pause it and then come back to it, and you lose that sense of uh, momentum that the album has. Well, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because on I did it as an experiment. One of the listen throughs, I actually listened to it on shuffle. 
So the entire album was that completely would be weird. and it was. It was incredibly like it changed my perception of the album because there's so many songs that rely on the previous song to give it context. Mm. Um, obviously there's some songs that stand alone, so like Electricity and Frontier Psychiatry and you know, stuff like that that, you know, can can kind of deal as a as a standalone. But listening to it on shuffle, it it like it almost freaks you out a bit. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, because it, it's so because all the sounds are so interlinked, and the, the fact that just for those who don't know, this album has reportedly got three thousand four hundred samples. Like yeah. there are so many samples in this. It and because it's designed, it's an electronic album, so it's designed. I found it was more designed like a set that you would actually mm. listen to that a DJ would play you. Yeah, definitely. Um, which was kind of interesting because I wouldn't have thought that the first couple of times I listened to it. First couple of times, I was so enthralled by this. Uh, I don't know if there was really a story. It was a bit too jagged for that sort of thing. But there felt like there was supposed to be some sort of concept yeah, or something along those lines. It's interesting that you mentioned story because I, on the last listen through that I did, I decided to do some deep diving and like listening to the lyrics and looking up lyrics and trying to see if there was any kind of story or through line and the only kind of there's like three or four different like motifs so like obviously the first song since Mm. i left you is pretty you know it's definitely about i guess leaving a relationship i think um and then there's this whole like middle ground where it looks like they're having a good time and exploring life um and then frontier psychiatry hits and things start to go south from there so yeah i think it was so what is it? Which hang on. Um, so Eto, E T O H. Mm. So that yeah. that it means two things. One, it's an abbreviation for ethanol. And I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. And in France, it's 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 also the word for alcohol. And it's oh. also um the name of a meth uh, like an ethanol rehabilitation group. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense because I found that this album, it, like, looking up after after the fact, because I thought that there was supposed to be a concept here. I thought mm. there was supposed to be some sort of story. But I found that they had talked about it being initially a concept album, that it was going to yeah. be this sort of love story going from country to country, which makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of motifs relating to the ocean, which 100%. I thought was kind of unusual considering the fact that we go somewhere, it becomes really distinct, and then you leave it so um, mm. so suddenly. It feels like something, somebody is chasing somebody else. Yeah, hundred percent. There's yeah, there's definitely different environmental feels as the album goes on. Mm. Like it feels like it's traveling like from place to place. Yeah, and which is interesting for the avalanches because at the time. Like, I I was a young kid, so I wouldn't have known this at the mm. time, but dance music was very, very different just in general. It was either rave music or it was, like, kind of the more EDM. Like, this album feels very organic for how electronic it is, if yeah. that makes any sense. 100%. Like, it feels like a band could be playing a lot of this stuff and there's all these people coming on stage, but it's all sampled. Like, the yeah. whole thing is just... A masterpiece in sampling. It feels very cinematic. Like it, it mm. doesn't. It doesn't feel like like you were saying. A lot of dance music was like kind of designed for 
for that, you know, at that early, what was this, 2000 it came out? Is that right? Yeah, so it came out in 2000. So it would be around the time of the Chemical Brothers and yeah. Stuff Punk and that sort of really uh, synthy slash mm. boom, boom, boom. Real dancey, dancey yeah. stuff. And like this, yeah. even though that fits in that world, it, it doesn't sound like it. Like you're exactly right. It sounds organic. It sounds like there is like orchestration and instruments and mm. um, it's way more cinematic. The other thing that I, I thought I'd point out just on that story trend, the last song, the other thing as well, there's a lot of French throughout this album. There's yeah. a lot of French. So the that last song, Extra Kings, um, they repeat the line, I think it's, I'm going to butcher this, it's like Geoffroyd, which means mm. I am cold. Um, okay. And they mention that they can't get you since they left you. So I think oh. it's kind of like regret, like at the end... They've gone through this journey and now they're kind of feeling cold. They're feeling alone. They regret. I think the frontier psychiatry, the whole section of that, like the horse comes up, that horse sound Incredible. comes up a lot. And I think that that's really, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm looking into this a bit too much, but it feels like that's the, the horse that the person came riding in on. And 100%, I agree. And because the... There's a lot of connection between, especially in that song, between animals and humans and how mm. maybe this was a person he went after, but it wasn't purely, purely for love. It was more of a uh, animalistic reason. Like maybe he just yeah. wanted to be with her because he didn't want to feel alone or, you know. it. it, it mm. A lot of this album felt very... I know yeah. it feels fragmented because it's... it. I think it's just a whole bunch of different thoughts going through the character more so than anything else. Like the transition yeah. between two hearts, two hearts a quarter of a time and then avalanche rock to flight tonight is just purely just perfect. Like, I don't know, but a lot of this album, especially it was very, it flows so well. Yeah. Well, one, one thing that I pointed out when I was listening and made a note of is that like there's no distinction even though there's lots of different tracks it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the start and end of a thought so like mm. a song or like a, a section will finish halfway through one track and then yeah. start and carry over into like the first quarter of the next track like there's no mm. just because you're listening to a, a particular track doesn't mean you're listening to that kind of same sound if that makes sense it's yeah it kind of feels kind of like a memory. Like the character mm. could be thinking about this in, in the past, in the past tense, as memories flowing through. You know how when you're thinking of a memory, uh, like it's also kind of like dreams when you're going halfway through a dream, it'll just com just change suddenly to something else. For sure. And yeah, it, there's a lot of imaginative use of sampling in this in particular. Like hip hop is always. I like did a little bit of studying at university, studying um, dance music. It was a big part of like one of my subjects. And one of the things they talked about was the idea that sampling was really important to, you know, create a whole different like feel when it came to things like hip hop. Hmm. Um, and hip hop is technically part of that dance world because it came from the same, um, basically the same mother. Yeah. Um, but with this, I could hear a lot of not just electronic music in it but also a lot of hip-hop um flavor that was Definitely. actually there too like there's some i can't remember which song it was but i think one of them has like a little bit of like it sounds like he's about to rap i think it's on 
I would say it's, close to you. I was going to say, I think it's flight tonight, close to you, that that area. Yeah, it sounds like he's about to start rapping, and I'm thinking, and then he doesn't do it, and I'm thinking, but where is the rap? Normally, because you know, for us, if you hear someone in that flow, usually they jump straight into lyrics. Yeah, there's some verses there. Hmm. Yeah, but yes, that overall, that was my impression of them. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this as well. I yeah. I had listened to this a couple of times, like in my in the past, but mm. I never really appreciated it until about a couple of years ago. For people who don't follow the Avalanches, they it took them sixteen years to release their follow up album, mm. and a whole bunch of reasons for its delay. But it had the same ethos as this album, where it had that kind of story and going through different. Um, places and all that sort of stuff. So I did a bit of a an experiment because on Spotify you can do gapless playback. So what I actually mm. did is took it from the end of Since I Left You and then immediately kicked it into Wildflower. To well, I was going to do the same thing, but I never got around to it. Just to see if there was any kind of connection and there wasn't, unfortunately. Oh. I was really hoping there'd be some kind of small carry-on, but it was it was a bit too disjointed to make mm. it feel like it was the same. But I thought that would have been cool. I was like, I wouldn't put it past this band yeah. to do something like that. I think also with this, and maybe it's just because I've listened to, now they've released three albums, I think they go down the road of having themes or the basis of themes for every album that they do. I think with this one, I yeah. don't think they intended to have a theme. I think they probably started off with the idea of having one and then due to the world just being like basically their type of sound clashing with everything else they kind of just put it out and just tried it like this is this feels like people would say this would be you know their their first debut album like nobody really heard anything before this they just dropped it you know yeah 100% it's and it, it's so interesting too because i think in the 2000s like singles were such a big thing like pushing mm. singles and stuff. And especially from this album, I remember reading that the band had troubles releasing singles because mm. of the way that the album was designed because they didn't know what to release. Mm. Um, like there was only three singles from it and Since I Left You wasn't one of them. Oh, okay. I didn't so, know that. So, so the three singles, the first one was Electricity that they released mm. and then they released uh, Frontier Psychiatry and then they released Radio. Oh. And that was it. They okay. were the three singles. Okay, because I um I also would have thought that around this time it would have been a really big problem with the amount of samples that they use, clearing everything, and the way that they had done because it's all like a lot of it's chopped and screwed and just everything yeah. is thrown together. It'd be very hard to try and clear this. It would have taken them years to do so. Apparently, Robert they had clips of Robert De Niro in some of the songs, but they weren't allowed to release them because they weren't yeah. they couldn't get them cleared. Yeah. So this would have been a very interesting thing at the time because it was like samples are so big now where everybody mm. gets the idea of samples. But at this point it's still Kind yeah. of still a hot button issue. Like a lot of people would have been like, oh, sam- don't sample because it's not creative. And this would be the first album I would say to anyone, if they don't know and don't understand sampling, listen to this. Yeah. This is all sampled. This None of this is organic, but this is beautiful. It's just a yeah, beautiful it's incredible. album. It is incredible. Um, another thing I was interesting 
interested in talking about was do you think because we're talking about australian albums Mm. do you think this sounds a a very australian do you think this has like an australian tinge to it personally i don't think it does um which is why i think it it's even more incredible because so much australian music of this era like the 2000s was so distinctly australian and i don't necessarily mean that in a good way i think there are a lot of albums and music that was being released around that time that wasn't particularly either strong Australian or it was too much of an American identity. Whereas I Mm. think that this album perfectly kind of sits in the middle. I think it doesn't sound Australian, but it also doesn't sound any other country. Okay. I don't think it sounds American. I don't think it sounds European. I think it sounds like, I I don't know whether that's because I, I see it more as a cinematic album like when I listen to it I hear a mm. soundtrack I don't hear places I hear a journey and I hear like a a well designed album okay um, so I can't pinpoint any places and I don't know whether that's because I can't hear any lyrics like there's no like there is maybe there's not a story I'm not sure what about, mm. what about you what do you think Australia are very good at being independent but also sticking with their guns and I think this has it doesn't have the Australian sound of that time or now, but it has an Australian attitude that is something that a lot of the other world doesn't have. Australia is very much in this weird position where it wants to experiment with things, and America, I feel, doesn't do that as much unless you're on the outskirts of the major music community. But in Australia, like you, you know, there's so many different little things everywhere that could be potentially big. And there's a lot of artists I can think of that hmm. fit this category. But with the Avalanches in general, I don't think they were just the underdogs in the electronic community. So I think, you know, they. I think they have the Australian heart, but I don't think, yeah, it, it sounds Australian. Yeah, for sure. So you'd say like their attitude or I guess mm. themselves they're Australian, but the music isn't necessarily... Yeah, I think the music sounds very worldly. Like, yeah. And it's weird to say that because it's got so many different samples from so many different places. It kind of has that world quality to it. Like as one of the quotes that were saying about the concept was it was going to be a travel around the world. Mm. But I feel that with every album that they do, I feel that they go to a different place, a different um, yeah. universe that they create rather than it being just... Like, oh, we're going to, we're going to make some songs and, you know, it sounds like my backyard. This doesn't sound like a backyard. This sounds like a a movie, as you were saying, a soundtrack. If if someone had, like, if I'd never heard of the Avalanches before and someone just gave me this album and then said, where do you think the guys who made this are from? I would say somewhere in Europe. I would not guess yeah. Australia at all. Yeah, I, I would have said the same thing. I actually would have said either French or British. I wouldn't have said um, Australia at all, to be honest. Yeah. Another thing that I was I was thinking about when I was listening to this album, what do you think they do you think that the music that they were like fighting against, which is the 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 Chemical Brothers and the Daft Punks of the world, do you think that they would have borrowed a lot of the good things of those acts to then make it into their own? Because I feel like this is a very set heavy album like you couldn't play this in a set any other way unless you've got like some really unusual like ways of mixing and all that sort of stuff because mm. when i listened to it the first thing i thought about was this sounds like 
what Daft Punk could do live. 100%. But they're just so good at mixing everything together. It felt like partly a set, but also a journey at the same time. Yeah, look, 100%. It's really interesting that you say that because um, when I was making notes, Daft Punk came up a lot. Um, and I don't know whether that was because of, like you said, that it, it feels like a live set in many ways and Daft Punk are well known for their incredible live sets that kind of flow into mm. each other. Um, another thing, like also one of my favourite songs on the album, Live at Domino's, like the second last mm. song, that feels 100% like a Daft Punk song. I yeah. was listening to it and I was like, this is Daft Punk. This is, it's, it's very robot rock. It's very that kind of 90s Daft Punk sound that you were kind of talking about. So, mm. um, oh yeah, I 100% think that the Avalanches were influenced by, I guess, what was kind of big at the time. And, and yeah, now that you say it, the Chemical Brothers, you can get a bit of that influence throughout it as well, um, mm. just kind of listening to it. Um, yeah, I don't think they copied them in any way. I don't think no. they've they've explicitly copied them, but you can definitely tell that they've taken inspiration. I think this album, with being a the best way to describe it, Daft Punk are very good at creating their own little worlds as the robots. Um, yep. I think, and uh, the Avalanches do something very very similar. And I think that's the the best thing about some electronic acts is if they can make a world that's their own with the music that they have, I think yeah. that's more compelling than just having, say, a front man standing in front singing songs to people. 100%. Which is really interesting because a lot of people I would play this to. Um, one example is my my dad. He's not usually a big into electronic music, but The Avalanches is one of his favourite electronic acts. And I think it's because this album has that feeling of being so organic and unusual as mm. well that... A lot of electronic music nowadays and even back then was quite, you know, robotic, like Daft Punk. Very robotic, had mm. very um, repetitive rhythms. But with the repetitive rhythms in this, it's more based on the sound of a voice or sound of strings or or the drums or whatever it may be to give it that extra bit of life that normally you would never have or... As I was thinking with, I think it was uh, Close to You, yep. there's a repeating, I think it's Close to You, it has a repeating line, and it just keeps on repeating and repeating and repeating, and I'm thinking, this just feels like them, you know, setting up for the next song in a live setting, getting ready to, you know, the. Mm. you can tell that they're DJs when yeah, they're doing all 100%. this. The, one thing, speaking of influences and stuff, um, one artist kept popping up into my head that I think was directly influenced by this album, and that's Porter Robinson. I think. Ooh, yeah. I think there's like so much of of their work is reflective in this album, especially kind of the um, glitchy female vocals. I think. Yeah, Flume also comes to mind as well. Yeah, hundred percent. That same kind of attitude. Uh, listening to these, I, I don't know what it is. There were three or four times where I'm like, "That's Porter Robinson. That's Porter Robinson." which I thought was really interesting. Mm. So, um, but yes, just something I thought I'd, I'd mention. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. It'd be interesting to actually find out who was influenced by this album in particular because I think this this is a landmark album for not just Australian music but the world in general yeah, when it comes sure. to dance music, which I found really interesting was that a guy made a book of 1001 albums and it, this was in the top 10. Yeah. And that is something interesting because... 
Australia has been very uh, rock heavy for many, many, many years um, and all different types of rock. But having an electronic album feature that high, it's really interesting to think that they have so much like influence and staying power. For sure. Like if people waited 16 years to listen to the first single of the next album. Like I was one of those people. I I remember the day where they released Frankie Sinatra on Triple J world premiere. And I was sitting in my car. I was just like, I gotta listen to this next thing. Yeah. And you know, I don't think many other acts have that staying power. Well, I think I think their absence, like absence, makes the heart grow fonder. I think the fact that they just kind of did nothing after that was so incredible. It kind of and it, it, I think maybe a lot of bands could afford to give themselves more breathing room between recordings because I think in mm. doing that, it, it meant that, one, we we just listened to what they had over and over, but two, it kind of made you want something else, you know? So when mm. they did release that thing 16 years later, uh, and, and I mean, not to put it past them, but their work is incredible. Like Wildflowers, oh, yeah. also an incredible album. But Oh, yeah, 100%. It'd be interesting to talk to them and see what they think about it because... Like, they would have, you know, grown, like, as people over those how many years. And, like, I was listening to one of the interviews of them and they said that, you know, a lot of it was pressure and mm. one of the, the band members was um, had autoimmune disease. So I think balancing all that sort of stuff. And there were, there were some, like... Rumors. I don't know if it's like founded. I'd be interested to find out. But the one of the band members was helping with the King Kong musical that happened in like the early two thousand and tens. So he worked with the guy. That's why there's Genesis and there's a whole bunch of like albums of like songs from different acts of the early two thousands. And I listened to what they had, and I'm thinking that sounds like like a mixture of the Avalanches and Genesis. It was just really interesting. There you go. It'd be, yeah, it'd be interested to find out whether or not what they were doing during that time and if it was just, you know, yeah, them, them trying to figure out the next move or if they wanted to still create another universe again because the next album would have been, like, it would have been make or break for them because they had so long and built up so much hype just because they hadn't been anywhere since, like, 2004 after they toured everything. Yeah, for sure. So... Yeah. Yeah. So I will ask you um, a question that I'm going to ask every single week, but I, I would ask a personal rating from you. Just uh, okay. how many, you know, how many records, let's say how many records okay. out of 10. How many records? Yeah. How, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're doing records, Josh. It's the wrong podcast. Okay, buddy. of course. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. So how many records would Cop you give this Maddie. out of 10? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would give this. See, this is this is hard because I know that there's a whole lot of albums to come. And so if I go oh, yeah. too high on this, then I screw myself out of all the future ratings because I'm going to be <laughs> comparing them to this and this is set an incredibly high standard. So yeah. I'm going to give it a seven. But I'm going to okay. give it a seven knowing that 10 needs to be the best of the best. Yeah. Um, this album was brilliant. I've mm. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it's an album that I will honestly go back to and listen to from start to finish uh, mm. in my downtime because it's really fun to listen to. Um, I think that I mean it's an eighteen track album, 
It's long. It, could, it is a long listen. It could definitely afford to drop 10 to 15 minutes, which is why it's not higher on my list, purely mm. because of the amount of time you have to give it and because of the fact that you can't just jump to the end and listen to a song. You kind of have to start at the start and work mm. your way through. Um, that's why I'm giving it a seven. Um, the music that itself is, is great, but, yeah, it's the fact of not being able to... Like, just the length itself is, is really just what yeah. brings it down for me. What about you? I'm going to give this an eight. Cool. And the the reason I give it an eight is because one is a little tiny, tiny bit of nostalgia because it's one of those albums that I sort of found after high school and when I was really getting into music and finding new music to listen to. Yep. It's also one of those albums that is a joy to listen to because it is so different. And I think it's, it's complexity in its sampling, but also it's um, very unusual like world that it creates, I think is really valuable and something mm. I really, really do miss. It's something that I think a lot of Axis sort of, they either dabble in or yep. they don't do it at all, but they never go all the way in. For sure. And that's something that is very um, yeah. apparent in any any part of the world. There are some, I, like, I really love concepts and, like, stories, and they tried to do the concept, and I can see why they didn't, because it was, it would have been very hard to do that with this album, especially the first time out. But I can understand that there is a concept still there, even though it's a little jagged, there's a lot of different interpretations. Yeah, for sure. Um, my only gripes with it, as what you said before, I think it's a little too long. Yeah. If it was, if it got cut off 10 minutes... I it'd think be it would perfect, be perfect, right? Like it'd be really yeah, good. Yeah, it'd be the perfect, perfect length because you yeah. know, ten like sometimes it just doesn't it, like it. You can't stop it and then start it again. Is another thing yeah. like you were saying before. Um, and also thinking about it, there's not a lot of these songs besides since I left you that would really sit with me as some of my favorite songs. Um, yeah, just in general. What was your favorite or favorite? Do you have like one favorite or two favorite songs the, from the album? So I went through when I listened to each song and gave it a rating. Um, there were two that I that had nine out of ten for me based on the Ooh. context of the album. One was Frontier Psychiatry, and that was purely a psychiatrist. Sorry, Frontier Psychiatrist, <laughs> um, and that was purely because of the the old Western Frontier cowboy samples. I thought they were incredible. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and it just, yeah, it made it fantastic. But the other one was Live at Domino's, the second last song on the album. Oh, yeah. And it caught me by surprise. It Like, you mm. get all the way to the end, and then there was just this brilliant little juicy morsel right at the end, and I was like, right, this is great. Mm. Yeah. Um, for me, it was Since I Left You, which yep. is my favourite on the album. I think it just it's the, one of the best openers of any of many albums. Yeah, definitely. Because it, 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 it sets the tone real quick. And it mm. is one of those album one of those album openers that really does like show, okay, we're here, we're here we're here, let's start the show. Yep. Sort of thing. Uh, it reminded me a lot of um the first uh Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band yeah. from that particular album. It sets the stage. It sets the yeah, it's a, the standard. It's a very you know? strong opener. Yeah, my second um, favorite song was um, "Flight Tonight," just because it plays with you and your expectations of what's going to happen afterwards, especially with the 
you know, the kind of rap mm. type, you know, lyrics and the the vocal samples and how they're like looped together is really, really interesting and a little yeah. jarring, but it's not so much that it throws you off. It's more like, I want to listen to more, give me more sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. And that is nearly at the halfway point. So, it, you know, that's the inciting incident, in my opinion. Yeah. So, final, th- final thing, Josh, do you think this album should be a classic? Um, I think in the landscape of Australian music, this should definitely be a classic. Um, I agree. Australian music... Like you said before, we're so well known for rock and that's that's due to our like 70s, 80s, 90s stereotypes. But when we hit the mm. turn of the millennium, we show that we could do more than just rock and, mm. and the avalanches will and should go down as as potentially the kings of of electronic music in Australia because I can't think of many bands that do it better than the avalanches. Yeah, and the fact that they've had such a long period on the music scene and they're still influential to this day. Yeah. It shows how much staying power, not just this album has, but on the avalanches in general. I don't think there are many Aussie acts nowadays, especially in the independent and um, electronic worlds that could yeah. say that they're not in some way influenced by this album. Yeah, 100%. Also, I just I just thought of something. Hmm. Did the Avalanches invent lo-fi music? I don't know. Lo-fi is one of those weird genres that, like, I, probably has been around for a long time and just never really... I say that like, because Pablo's cruise on this album 100% is lo-fi music. Oh, yeah. Just still, oh, I like, could say that. Like, there's raining music. It's a jazz album. The jazz chords are 100% lo-fi and chill music. So mm. I was like, man, well done. Yeah, no, no, 100%. It'll be a song that you'd put on the background and just listen to it over and over I mean, while you're to studying be, or whatever. To be fair, the song goes for like a minute 30 and it's got like, it's like very much an, uh, an in-between song. But still, mm. the lo-fi bit at the start, I was like, man, that's, there you go. Mm. Well, the fact that it's, um, they, you know, basically pioneered the idea of plundophonics, which is, you know, the mixing yeah. of various samples and all that sort of stuff. Like, uh, like, the fact also this has a style that is directly influenced by jazz and 60s rock and psychedelia, it really does, like, puts mm. you in that different world. And the lo-fi aesthetic is one of those things where it gets you to zone out, and I can see why. I don't think they were ones who pioneered the idea, but I think it was probably a point of reference. That's what my guess would be. Yeah. Hey, I'm, d- I'm just saying there's one, there's that chilled cow YouTube channel. The avalanches can be making <laughs> that bank right now. Just saying. Oh yeah. Just get the avalanches on there. Play every single album. Yeah. On repeat. That's it. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Josh, for joining me on this lovely fortnight. Um, we are going to, we still setting up our socials and all that sort of stuff. Um, we'll, we'll tell you more a little bit in the meantime, I would like to have an email so you guys can send us questions and any requests for albums you want us to listen to. That'll all be set up next by the next podcast for sure. Yes. Yes. We have a lot of albums to do. I was going through yesterday and just picking not even just classic albums, classic in the sense of from other publications, but like just looking at how much how much stuff we got we got lots of stuff. So don't worry. And that's just John Farnham. That's yeah. <laughs> oh, just him yelling the whole time. Oh mate, the best. Cannot <laughs> uh, wait. Yeah, he will come up at some point. Whispering Jack. Cannot wait. 
Anyway, so our next album that we're going to be looking at is Ivy and the Big Apples by Spiderbait. This is going to be a rock album. Like, this is one of those independent rock albums from the 90s, and it will be very interesting to compare this to what we've listened to before. So this podcast will come out um, every fortnight. So if you guys want to leave a comment or a suggestion, we'll have our socials. And, um, yeah, we'll catch you in the next one. See you later, Josh. And yeah, thanks, mate. You have a good night. Yeah. Thanks for listening, no everyone. Yeah. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.